I've been looking forward to this game for months. One review even said it's the most technologically advanced release in over a decade. But... Have you ever wondered what goes into a video game? Is it just coding and just software, or is there a great deal of creativity? What are the technologies inside a game? Can anyone really become a video game developer? Hmm, are there trends in video gaming and across the video gaming industry? Has anyone ever thought about video games and gender equality? I bet a video game couldn't change the world. <laughs> How silly to think a video game could save the planet. Hi everyone, my name is Amrie Maffadon and I am a British social entrepreneur and computer scientist and the CEO of Stemets, a social enterprise promoting women and young girls into STEM careers. Today, I've got the pleasure to talk to Patrick Mikulastic, who is an EPO patent examiner in the field of video gaming and a passionate video gamer. Let's get started. The European Patent Office podcasts bring you an insight into the technology and innovation shaping the world. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Anne-Marie. It's very nice to be here. Lovely to have you. Um, first thing, I believe you're a passionate video gamer. I am impartial to Animal Crossing. I know, don't, don't judge me. What is your favorite video game? Oh, at the moment, I think it's Zelda. It's an all-time favorite of me. And there was just a new part released and it's very nice, I think. Wow, a classic. And Zelda is a full-on franchise now as well. So that's, that's a, a good one to get your teeth into, actually, if anyone uh, wants to get started on gaming. Now, I'm sure many of our listeners, young students, girls and boys, have a dream, maybe, of even wanting to become a video game developer. Can you tell us, you're, you're on the inside, right? You're looking at patents, you're in this space. What does it take to become a video game developer? You know, do you already have to be a developer? You know, do you need to become an engineer first? What are the steps from being that young student to stepping into this industry? I think now is actually a very good time to, be, to become a video game developer because it doesn't take so much. I think the most important thing is to be passionate about video games and maybe to be creative. Mm. But there are super many ways to get into video games. There is like the traditional way, which you would think of maybe as the first step, which is you have to be a geek, you have to know how to program. But that's one way, of course, still. But there are so many other ways. There are people making music for video games. There are the people who make up the stories. There are the people who dream up video game mechanics, so, so the video game designers. Mm -hmm. So all sorts of creative people are needed, I think. And also nowadays, it's super easy to get into it because there are incredible tools out on the internet. There is Scratch, for example, mm -hmm. which can be used to create... Yeah, at, at least mock-ups of video games or full-functioning video games. They, they don't look like the 100 million Sony production, <laughs> but, but they are working and they, they can be a lot of fun. And it's, it's super easy to get into it. And also because yeah, the tools are out there, they are free, and there is so much information available on the internet. There are tutorials for doing all sorts of things. And 
everything can can be tried out. So lots of resources. Scratch, I know, has a cat as kind of the center of quite a lot of what goes on, kind of built in with a lots of meowing. We've had that at Stemets events before, building games, lots of cats, lots of meowing. Um, the other thing that we've had uh, across Stemets is folks thinking that maybe, you know, you've, you've named lots of different roles there, but thinking that maybe it's unrealistic or there's not a lot of space, I guess, in the video game industry, right? So, you know, if we imagine, you know, a child maybe telling their parents, mom, dad, I want to be a, a video game developer. I want to work in video games. Does that sound unrealistic? Is it something that's maybe for only a few folks? Is there a lot of space, I guess, in the industry? I think this is a thing of the past. When I was still young, then it was much more difficult, I'd say, because the industry was small. There were not mm -hmm. so many jobs in the industry, I would say. Mm -hmm. But now there is much more demand for people working in the industry. And there are many more places because now it's, it's a super large uh, yeah, field of entertainment where millions of euros are spent. So th there is a high demand for people and not only programmers, not, not only the, the technical expertise is needed, but also the music, the design, the stories, so all sides. And I think when you open your eyes, there, there are many opportunities now where this knowledge is needed and, and can be employed. And also one thing is like working on a, on a well-known production like the Zelda or mm -hmm. the Animals Crossing or mm -hmm. yeah, th there are many <laughs> examples. But nowadays, I think the countries have their own at least small studios which do like video games which are used in teaching at schools, th ah, things like that. So okay. there are many new angles to that that were not there like 20 years ago. Definitely. And we've, and we've got those kind of games that are serving a purpose, which I, I think, you know, is, is definitely a, a great thing for, to highlight. You know, folks want to help others. Gamification is something you're there talking about education games. I'm pretty sure I've heard of kind of digital therapeutics and kind of games that improve your health. And so I think it's fantastic to think about, you know, that tech serving a career. Now, in your role as a patent officer, you know, working on video games, you obviously get to see so many different elements of games and you approach them maybe with the eyes of an engineer. Is there something you can share with us on what's so exciting or fascinating about games, about building games, maybe the, maybe the mechanics behind them? What, what, why is it exciting? Why is it a fascinating space to be in? Mm. Yeah, for me, it's exciting be because I love games as such. Mm -hmm. However, many times when, when I tell people that I work at the patent office on video games, they say, oh, that's great. You can play all day. But un unfortunately, it's not like that. I, <laughs> what I get is like a description of a technical aspect of something which is related either to a game or maybe also to game hardware. So to a video game controller, mm -hmm. to a virtual reality headset, or it, it, it can be also the hardware of a video game console are aspects of a game, but really the game design. So what a game looks like or what makes it interesting sometimes, what is so nice about the game cannot be patented because that's more, we, we see it as non-technical subject matter. Ah, so so that's okay. something that cannot be touched, but the technical aspects, and there are also many of them, they mm. can be touched. So it's really, for, for me, there is really a huge separation from playing a game and mm. doing my job, but still it's interesting because yeah, the, these Technical aspects, sometimes it is what, what enables the game. And sometimes, yeah, video games adopt new technologies 
quite quickly. Many times you you need the a fast computer or the virtual reality, for example. That's also a new thing, which was used at first in games. It, it's also used in different areas, but but games pick up these, or the game industry picks up these things quite early. And so it's interesting to be at the cutting edge of technology also. So that was why I was really excited to do this podcast with you, Patrick, because I think there's so much that we see around games and folks think and maybe focus on the kind of the gameplay, whereas actually the amount of technology, the amount of mechanics, the amount of, you know, innovative things that we've got going on and kind of tech trends at play in gaming is really, really fascinating. You mentioned virtual reality just there. We've got AI coming up in Gran Turismo. You know, in Perido, we've got, you know, a mixture of catching a physical site or a token. In education, we're learning languages with game mechanics. There's scholarships for esports. You know, there's so much technology at play for everyone that's listening that maybe wants to kind of fill in those blanks because all of this is great intel and information for kind of making decisions, but also understanding what they might be stepping into. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe some of the bigger tech trends that we're seeing play out in the gaming industry at the moment? Yes, of course. I think, as you said, virtual reality is one that was already there. It, it's still there and it's still growing, I think. But what is the biggest thing at the moment, I would say, is the AI. So yeah, machine learning applied in video games. You already mentioned an example, like in Gran Turismo, in the car racing game, the non-player characters, so the cars that are driven by the computer, they mm -hmm. are steered by an advanced algorithm. And apparently they are, they are very good and better than they used to be before. Mm -hmm. But I think in the next years, we will see much more and it will be much more visible things that come through these large language models. So things like ChatGPT or Google Bard, how, how they are called. So it's systems that can, with, with which you can have a more or less natural conversation. And also these will be picked up very quickly in video games. There are already the few, the first signs. So that when in, in a few years, when you will approach a non-player character, so a character played by the computer, it will be possible to have a more or less normal conversation with them. And in this conversation, they will give you some, some elements of the story. So something they are supposed to, to give you some information, but it will not feel as scripted, not feel as unnatural as it was now. So it's really, really exciting times. And this AI, there is also a second aspect to it. It's also very good in generating graphics, so backgrounds, mm -hmm. whole world. So probably also the artistic side will, will be touched and much more content in video games will be created yeah, using a machine. So that opens up opportunities again for the video game developers. And it, it will be an interesting time to watch video games as well. It's going to be exciting to see that. I mean, I'm almost worried that that maybe signals the end of the NPC. I know we've seen this kind of recently, uh, different folks maybe on TikTok, right? That are kind of reliving that life of the NPC. Whereas actually, yeah, you're not going to have folks running at the wall or kind of repeating the same phrases. Now we can have a like you're saying, a ChatGPT-esque uh, conversation. So, you know, yeah, maybe bye-bye to, to kind of uh, phase one or era one of NPCs. So I work a lot in this space of STEM, STEM and inclusion, STEM and diversity, uh, and gender inclusion in particular. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about video games and gender. Um, now, if we look back a couple of years, we had things like the Game of Gate scandal, 
where you know women were being uh, harassed, kind of under physical danger, almost actually as a result of really big gameplay. You know, has this changed? Is this changing? There's lots I get to see, but from where you're sat, you know, are, are women now being accepted properly into the video game community? Are they being represented in games? I think actually this Gamergate, it, it was a terrible story. People were really yeah, harassed and then put in danger. And in my impression, things have changed since then. And my impression is that in a video game, in, in like a role playing game where you cr can create your own character. Nowadays, it is normal that you can uh, play as a girl or a boy or may maybe even a transgender character. So the, the industry has, has built an awareness for that. And it has opened up, I would say. It, it is visible in, in many places. Also, when you think of the Lara Croft of like, I mm -hmm. think it's 20 years ago already. Yeah. It was really a sexist <laughs> figure. And yeah, now she looks like a girl that you could meet on the street, more mm. or less still an idolized one. But but uh, I think it's going in a good direction. But I, I don't think that we are there yet. It's a process that will... will take time. But I, I would say we are in a good direction. I think it's nice to hear we're heading in a great direction. You know, in the work that I do, I think what I'm also wanting to see maybe a little bit more is a greater diversity, I guess, in the nature of different games that then end up being generated, right? So where you're talking about storylines and talking about settings, I think it's been really fun actually to see when we have our young women and we get them to build games, you know, what that gameplay looks like, what that story looks like and how that differs, right? And the kinds of experiences then being reflected in gameplay that might actually allow folks to kind of build empathy, build understanding of different experiences, you know, what it is to be a young woman, what it is to be a, a girl growing up in the world like today. Anne-Marie, we talked about gender equality in video games and I had the impression that, that we are going in a good direction, but still I sit on the wrong side to be a good judge of that. <laughs> How do you perceive the video games? Did, did you ever feel discriminated or do you have something to tell about that? I think it's definitely something, and, and I, th I think it's interesting because you're sat you're sat on the on the wrong side, maybe necessarily to kind of see it firsthand. But I think it's definitely something that folks can kind of get to see if if you're looking for it, I guess, or standing in as an ally, or you know any of those kinds of things that you do get to hear the stories of of folks. I remember, you know, probably about six or seven years ago, talking to a young woman who had gone to music college actually and wanted to be creating music for games. That, that was what she was studying. That was what she wanted as her job and as her career. Um, and I remember her saying, you know, that when she, there are certain websites and different places that you can kind of pitch for your music to be used in, in games. And I remember her saying that she had to use her alias, had to use her kind of username, her online name and persona before any of her music was picked up because when she used her actual name, which was a girl's name, it was kind of dismissed and no one ever chose the music. So it was the same music that she was uploading to these websites but attributed to her username, which was a little bit more gender neutral, maybe than her real name. And yes. that was when her music was being picked for games. I think the main thing, you know, as, as the work that I do is also in companies for folks, different types of folks to feel comfortable. And I think as much as it's important to remember the greats, right? I, I remember I used to play with my cousin Street Fighter mm. um, when we were really young, right? And I think that that's something that I can talk to different folks about, you know, who my favorite character was, what it was like on Nintendo 64. But actually, we've got to remember that you don't have to have grown up with games in order to be 
a gamer, right? You don't have to have done all the classics and all the greats. Absolutely. You don't have to be, you know, as you said, or as we, you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure, about mobile gaming. You know, there was a time when people looked down on people that played the games on Facebook, right? And I think that's the other thing we have to be aware of, that you, you're not better than someone because there's a certain number of games you played or because you're a particular gender or, you know, because you were, you were playing those classics. You know, this is about enjoyment, play together. And so actually let's be inclusive because you might learn something new from the way that somebody plays a particular game, right? Lots to do on that, but I think it is evolving. It is getting better and we are seeing changes. Hopefully, hopefully it will pick up pace even more. There we go. Hopefully. I think there's definitely space for, you know, better work, like you said, kind of more evolution. But I think there's space for all kinds of people, you know, whether they see themselves as gamers or not, whether they see themselves as technical or not, whether they're women or not, to get engaged in gaming and, and explore it. There is actually more to video games than pure entertainment. So with so much technical effort put into them, I wonder, do video games have the potential to change the world for the better? So... I was talking there just a little bit about the nature of different types of games. And we spoke a little bit earlier about maybe educational games or games in kind of other spheres beyond purely being about play. We've got the younger generation here. Notoriously, a lot of young people are particularly concerned about sustainability, you know, climate change. You know, we talk so much about games being able to solve problems. So let me ask you a crucial question, Patrick. Can a video game change the world? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. <laughs> I think if one video game can change the world, I'm, I'm not so sure. But, but I think that video games can have a good impact on the world because video games are a bit what, what the movies used to be. And, and it's a bit we see in the video games a bit the values with which we want to educate and, and things we want to show. So, of course, there are video games which really can teach mechanics, how nature works, how we, we can treat the planet so that maybe we won't have so much climate change. Mm. But also, I, I think society is impacted by w what we said before, the, the, the way we treat girls and boys, the, the, the way we, we treat people is influenced by how we show it, how we set the example in a mm. video game. There we go. So maybe, maybe there's someone that's listening that has that idea in them for the video game that will, that will change the world. I'd love to see that. I'd, I'd love, there's almost kind of that at social impact gaming. I'd love to see that grow up as a field and, and as a space. So a video game could change the world. There are some video games that are getting close already to changing the world, maybe on some of these spheres. Are there any examples that you can give me that you've seen of games that might actually start to, to change the world and change some of those behaviors? Yes, of course. There is, for example, civilization where you learn how to steer the world. And there you can select if you want to be more an aggressive type and go to war, or you can also solve problems through diplomacy. So that, that might be <laughs> making, maybe I'm taking it there a little literally, but <laughs> that would be one example. But, but there, are, there are many, many small examples that change the world a bit at a time. For example, one thing I read about is a game called Remission. That's a game where kids who are in cancer treatment in, in hospitals um, can steer a nanobot who, who fights cancer cells. And that's wow. app apparently it, it helps kids uh, stay into the treatment and get treated better. There are really tons of examples like that. There is 
Folded, an online puzzle game about folding proteins, which really is on the one hand for teaching the problem, how proteins fold. That's very important, the, the knowledge about that for creating yeah, medicine and, and uh, medical treatments. But yeah, there, there are tons of examples of games which inform people about specific problems. Did you have an ecology example as well, Patrick, that you were going to share? So one example would be Eco. It's a multiplayer game where people sit in an, in a shared environment and, and have to treat the earth in a way so, so that this yeah, environment is, is not destroyed. So, so that's a game where you can yeah, try to save the world on a, on a smaller scale. It's it just one of many. I think there's there's so many. I think I think once you start looking, not only do you discover more, but I'm wondering as well for the listener, you know, you might be inspired almost, right, to to pick another problem or, you know, solve another thing that you you can see around you or, you know, evolve another uh, practice or part of life. So I, I love that and and this is the creativity you're talking about at the at the top, right? This is not purely about the development, there's the story, there's so many pieces that come to play. And so being able to help folks out, you know, I personally really love. Um, you know, the folder example was another really good one because it was gameplay that was also citizen science. So it was also helping researchers, you know, discover, right, new patterns and, and explore new elements that they didn't necessarily have the time or resources to do. But, you know, through gameplay, people were literally helping medical research. So I think there's, there's so much of that that's exciting. I mean, if, if I think of a couple, I mentioned at the top digital therapeutics, this is, you know, the idea of you know, still behavioral change, but helping folks with, with mental health, right? And working through some issues and some problems before they, they become a big full-blown condition. So lots of different uh, social impact as well that we can have through gaming. So that's one trend. I'm wondering, you know, technology is always evolving. There are so many different tech trends that you might be able to wrap into games as well as time goes on. Is there anything, I guess, that you're expecting in video gaming in the next couple of months? Is there a particular release maybe, Patrick, that you're excited about? Well, there have been super big releases in the past months, like Baldur's Gate 3 came out and Star Citizen that was awaited for a long time by many players. I don't know if it's more the older ones though. And I think many people are awaiting Grand Theft Auto 6, which we don't even know when it, when it will arrive, but we know people are working on it and, and everyone is very hyped about it because the last part of the series came out like 10 years ago. Mm. So everyone is quite excited about that. Are there particular trends that you're excited about seeing kind of play out more in games other than AI perhaps? Yes, I think there is a move towards being able to play on mobile devices, which is very interesting. It comes together a bit with cloud gaming. So on one hand, a mobile device can be used nowadays to play also a game that is very evolved and needs a lot of computational resources because it can be just streamed as a video to a, to a mobile device. Right. But on the other hand, nowadays we also see mobile devices like an iPad or an iPhone or the Android tablets and phones. They are so powerful nowadays that really nice games can be played on them and they are much more accessible. So in, in many parts of the world where we yeah, where people cannot afford the newest PlayStation, they still have a phone mo mostly. And nowadays, the experience on such a device can be so good that I think yeah, it's, it's already now a trend. I, I think more money is already earned on the mobile devices than on the 
like traditional video game devices. And it's a trend that will only continue. I have my Switch and, I, and I've got to say, actually, I, I connect it to my TV less and less now. I do a lot more kind of mobile gameplay while I'm traveling than I do actually kind of when I'm home or connected to a big screen. Is there a big difference between, you know, you're saying that the experience is the same. Is there a big difference between maybe the trends that we're seeing in games that are for mobile versus games that are on a console? Is, is that something that we're seeing or is it, it, does it end up being the same kind of games, the same kind of experience? I'm just wondering, because I mean, I mean, you're, you're kind of playing on a very different device, right? Often in a very different setting. So is there an art maybe to, you know, designing a mobile game versus ones on the console? Yes, I think there are differences. Or actually, there, there are two answers, because on one hand, we have the games like for the Switch or for the Steam Deck, mm -hmm. which control more or less the same way on the when you play on the Switch in the mobile mode and, and on the TV. But then there are the mobile games, which are run on a phone, which have on one hand a different software aspect because usually or maybe a more a different business aspect because most of the mm -hmm. time they can be downloaded and played right away without paying for them and then the paying goes along with the playing it's these free to play titles and of course they also have a different feel and touch to them because there are no hardware buttons most of the time on the telephones so they are played in a different way and for me if this was a few years ago i would have said this kills video games and it will not be possible to play good video games what i thought was good on a mobile device but now i see my kids And they have absolutely no problem with that. I'm, I'm always amazed how they can play using virtual joysticks on a screen of a telephone or a tablet. And so for them, it works very well. I would always prefer to have my physical buttons and controllers, <laughs> but it seems not everyone is like that. And <laughs> apart from that, it's a choice because you can buy these attachments which, which give them to you or you can just connect a video game controller nowadays to a phone. That's true. You can be old school and new school at the same time. Anne-Marie, you spent the whole afternoon trying to get past just one level. At the rate this is going, you're on the road to being a full-time gamer. Uh, now, Patrick, there, you, you mentioned uh, having children, seeing them play games. Uh, STEM subjects are kind of the core, right, of what enables us to have games. This is why we're talking about the technology. There's engineering, there's mathematics, there's often a, a little bit of science as well sprinkled in. Now, lots of folks, I think, struggle to identify maybe with the STEM subjects when they're engaging with them at school, when they're presented, because they're almost removed from real life, right? They're removed from applications. They're removed from where that knowledge then gets used um, in society. And I think you're a living example. I am too, of someone that can show, you know, where that maths, that science, that engineering gets applied in real life. What would you say to our young listeners who are enthused, who are excited about what happens next, the trends, excited about video games? You know, what, what would you say about their choices in STEM? right? And how they might be able to follow into your footsteps and dive deeper into video gaming technologies. I would say don't be discouraged. Try to get into it. It's a bit like a language, a language you can learn in order to open up new worlds. It's the language that we use to talk to the computer and to describe to the computer where <laughs> this ball should go or how this ball should fly. It seems a bit intimidating sometimes, but 
for me at least, it was also a big source of fun and a big, yeah, a new, a new world where you can experiment, where you can try out ideas. So it's like, yeah, like learning a language enables you to speak with millions of new people that you couldn't speak to before. Yes, yes. Learning math and and programming, it it opens also up a new world. So don't be discouraged try it out a bit and it's it was never <laughs> as easy as it is today definitely and i think i think to open that up a little bit more you know you were you were talking there about you know being able to step into technologies being able to kind of apply it and and get creative and enjoy it i mean often right folks are sat in math lessons and they're annoyed they're like when am i ever going to use this again in my life right can you maybe give me i'm going to put you on the spot patrick can you maybe give me maybe just two examples of things that you're like, yeah, I definitely did that at school and I definitely have to use that today in my life. <laughs> so one thing when you're doing games, it's always, you always have to know what is on screen and, and where it can be placed on screen. So, yes. so these calculations using vectors and adding vectors to each other and, and saying in the language of math what direction someone is looking and what is in front of them or behind them. That is something that is very elementary for knowing what, what is happening in a game. So that is one thing. And actually what got me into programming back then was even a, st a step before starting with games. I, I thought it was so nice if I can program something to do my homework. So that, that's reason <laughs> enough to, <laughs> to start it. Stay in school, folks. Stay in STEM. Choose STEM. And you can be like Patrick and myself applying it in real life and creating some cool things. Anne-Marie, I have a question for you. Ooh. You said you're leading the STEMETs and, and trying to get girls into yeah, scientific or technical educations. Do video games play a role there? 100%. I mean, we were talking about Scratch earlier. Last year, we did a collaboration with a projection mapping company. And we actually did a tour around the UK. We teamed up with them and we teamed up with the Poetry Society. And we actually got young women and uh, lots of young people, actually of all, all genders, to write poems inspired by the universe and the Big Bang, and then to create games that then, you know, use those poetry as almost like kind of the lines for the characters, and then, you know, explored things at the Big Bang, explored their relationship to the universe. And in the end, because we were in Scratch, you know, I mentioned the cat and a lot of meowing. <laughs> we actually encouraged them to make their own characters. So they drew their own characters of the universe. Maybe it was planets, maybe it was aliens which is maybe not very scientific or scientific, depending on which side of the debate that you sit on. Um, and they animated those characters as part of their games. And what we actually did was then gave the characters the little sprites in Scratch to the projection mapping company. And they did a whole kind of movie and film. And then we had those Scratch characters as part of this projection. And they projection mapped onto landmarks in the cities that we'd gone to. So, you know, big castles down in Carnarvon, we did on the Tower of London, and they got to see their animations as part of the games, then showing up and projected in lights on local landmarks. So games are definitely a big part of what, what we do. That was a project that we did across five different locations across the year. And there was so much maths involved in, and STEM, right? Involved in all of that, of the projection, the lighting. We even had to track daylight right? Because of oh. course, you need the contrast to be able to see the characters. And, and there were only certain times of day, you know, in the UK winter, 
I mean, it's very long, so maybe we had, we had longer time in some, but we went from the north of the country to the south of the country. So sunrise and sunset was different. So the timings that we were doing, the projections was different, but we had lots of fun with that. We did a big competition as well, where folks could kind of submit their, their games to be judged by some of our judges. And we had lots of winners as well. So yeah, games, games is a big part of what, of what we do at Stemets. And I, I think, you know, like we've said, it's the creativity, right? It's the storytelling, right? It's the, learning it's the shifting of behaviors it's the drawing awareness to 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 problems as well that you get in in games that yeah i think our young people really 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 enjoy doing and i know there's quite a few of them now that are like you know this is cool why wouldn't i want to do this as a job later on in life i'd really like to go back to school to be able to do something like that <laughs> i wonder what our listeners think of that idea yeah let's go back to school <laughs> so i guess Patrick, we've come to the end of our multiplayer session on this podcast. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> There's lots of things that we've discussed and we've covered. I love that concept of video games at what movies used to be that you said and that you shared earlier on. You know, this idea that this is this is the entertainment. This is the heart of it. This is the size of the industry. Um, I absolutely think I'm hoping it kind of folks listening have been inspired by this idea of games solving problems in the real world and being able to help folks in whatever way it might be, whether it's, you know, with medical conditions, whether it's with education, you know, whether it's with, with joy as well, because that's really important in life, um, or whether it's for research. I think, you know, that's one thing, I, you know, imagine homework is hard and research is hard, but imagine being able to play a game and contribute to research. I think that's a pretty cool thing. It's maybe the power of games. But I think maybe one thing to be sad about is possibly the end of the NPC era as we know it, due to advances in technology. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is it, right? We're not going to have folks walking into walls or just repeating the same characters. So th those are my kind of key, key takeaways. Was there anything, Patrick, that you think we should include in our sum up for folks, our TLDR? For me, the big takeaway is that hopefully things will get better concerning some aspects and for sure they, they will stay interesting. There we go. Games can only get better and why not be a part of that change? Why not be a part of making the world better too uh, by joining up and becoming a video game developer or someone working across the video games industry like Patrick. Thank you so much, Patrick, for your time. I've had a ball talking to you, learning about all that's coming up next. Um, all the best with all the patents that you're working on and your good work at the at the EPO. Um, thank you very much to everyone for listening. All the best for your futures. I will see you um, on our next game. See you soon. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It was great. <laughs> Subscribe to the European Patent Office's podcast channel, Talk Innovation at epo.org or on your favorite podcast platform. Let's talk innovation.